that we're going to have the Bible reading and we're going to ask our brother Ryan Malone who's here with us and he's going to come and read to us from the Old Testament, Psalm 126 and then a few verses from the New Testament. Thank you, Ryan. Psalm 126 When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion we were like them that dream then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing then said they among the heathen the Lord hath done great things for them the Lord hath done great things for us whereof we are glad turn again our captivity O Lord as the streams in the south they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. And Matthew 13, verses uh, 31 and 32. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds. But when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs, and becometh a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. Thank the Lord for his word and bless it to us. Amen. we do thank Ryan for coming and reading the word of God to us. Could I commend Ryan to you? As you know, he went off five weeks ago to the faith mission and he's home at the minute to do some studies. I was in the home yesterday and I know the family won't mind me sharing this, uh, but um, yesterday or Friday he received a call from his consultant and he has to undergo an emergency operation on his heart. Now that's very scary, and we understand that, and he's going to have to take time out from the faith mission studies, and probably will return then in the will of God at next year. So do remember Ryan very much in your prayers at this particular time. We'll say a little prayer for him in a moment. Now, my text this morning is taken from Matthew chapter 30, 13, verses 31 and 32. It reads as follows. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds. But when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs, and becometh a tree so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. Now, I've entitled this message, Sowing for a Harvest, or Understanding the Scriptural Meaning of the Mustard Seed Parable. 
You see, according to Matthew chapter 13, verse 1, it reads, The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside. That's a reference to the Sabbath day. It's mentioned in Matthew chapter 12. The Lord Jesus had a busy Sabbath day. He was preaching and teaching the word of God in the city of Capernaum. Certain miracles were performed. He then left the house where he was stationed and moved to the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Crowds followed him. They thronged around him. The Lord Jesus entered into a boat and from here he addressed the large crowd. His disciples were with him and of course they were hanging intently in every word. And at that time, the Lord Jesus preached to them, the crowd and the disciples, seven parables. So there's seven parables in Matthew chapter 13. <coughs> now remember a parable is an earthly story. A story from everyday life. A story that was rooted in first century Palestine. And the Lord Jesus took that story and he gave that story a heavenly meaning. Now he was a tremendous preacher. He was a, a practical down to earth preacher. And one of those parables that he preached that day was this, the parable of the mustard seed. Now I want us to think about four things about that parable this morning for the time that we have. I want you to think first of all of the subject of the mustard seed. Why did the Lord Jesus include this parable as one of the seven parables that day? I believe it was uttered by Christ to give encouragement to his disciples. Many disciples asked questions in their mind, and the, one of the questions was this, is there a future for the work of God? Many believers are struggling with discouragement, struggling with depression. For them, life is hard. Their circumstances and situation in life has, has almost become unbearable. And even godly pastors and preachers struggle with discouragement and depression. Some even ask the question, have I spent a lifetime in the work of God in vain? This was asked by Spurgeon, Andrew Bonner, Alexander White, his biographer wrote this, that Dr. White was often in a dark valley. Are you in a dark valley this morning? It was written, he has seasons of long discouragement and depression regarding the results of his work in the pulpit ministry and among the people. See, see, let's face it today. It appears and seems as if the ungodly is winning. The world is not getting a better place. You think of evil and wicked people that seem to abound. Wicked and evil people seem to be prospering. Wicked and evil people seem to be in the majority. And the godly man, well, well he's failing. They're, the godly are in a minority today. Sadly, many of God's dear people have fallen into serious sin. They've fallen into a backslidden state. Many are full of doubt about God, Jesus Christ, and the Bible. And they look at life, and here's a fundamental basic question especially those that are Christians from the Christian community. What have I accomplished for God? What have you accomplished for God as a Christian? It seems so insignificant. It peels into insignificance in the bigger scale of things. 
See, what I'm trying to get at today is many of us are in the throes of discouragement. Many of us are in a state of despondency. Many are fearful and many are fretting. They're, they're worried. Are you worried today? Worried about rising costs and higher energy and food bills? Diesel's almost back up to two pounds a litre. And, and many are thinking, how can this continue? Uh, what is our future? How are we going to survive? Many are asking, will the church even survive? Many churches are closing today. Many churches are, are sitting with very, very few numbers. Some are closed now on a Sabbath evening. And as I think about that, I, I think about this mustard seed parable. Because here's the point, the subject of the mustard seed parable. In spite of being small, in spite of being the least of the leaves of seeds, and you're familiar with the mustard seed, that spicy yellow stuff you put um, on your hot dog or, or your sausages, mustard is a spice. It, it was a spice in Jesus' day, and it was the smallest seed. But when it was planted in the ground, put into a field, put into a garden, you leave it alone, the rain falls, the sun shines, and about a year later, you've got a tree. And the tree is 12 foot tall. That's probably about the height of our ceiling. And it's six foot wide. Can you imagine? So much so that the birds came and lodged in its branches. And that's what was happening in Jesus' day. It still happens today. So you think of a small seed. Tiny, insignificant beginning. And yet that can grow into a big tree. A big plant-like tree. And here's great encouragement for God's people. When we're facing difficulty in the work of God. When you're worried about life. When you're worried about the witness of the church. When you're worried about your individual family life. Here's a parable. Short, plain. And the Lord Jesus asked, well, what's the kingdom of heaven like? The kingdom of heaven is the reign of God. Of grace now. The reign of God's glory to come. That's what. The kingdom of heaven means. What's it like? Well, it's like a tiny seed. A tiny seed that's alive and powerful and can produce tremendous results. You see, this was really a prediction. This was like a, a prophecy of a tiny seed. The mustard seed is the smallest, but that tiny seed can produce great results. And you think of this, after the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, the 10-day prayer meeting, the day of Pentecost, we read there in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 1 and verse um, uh, 8, remember what the Lord Jesus said, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. 3,000 converted in one day, 5,000 on another day. Jerusalem was ablaze with the light and glory of gospel truth. And that gospel truth and light spread into the very uttermost parts of the Roman Empire and beyond. Until in Acts chapter 21 we read, the whole of the known world was turned upside down for Jesus Christ and the gospel. And that's the pattern. You, you lay hold of that pattern this morning. Small, insignificant, humble beginnings. And as the gospel light and gospel truth flows forth, as the word of God is preached, powerful results are produced. 
widespread spiritual results. You could ask yourself, how did the gospel come to Europe? How did the gospel come to the United Kingdom? How did the gospel come to Ireland as a whole? Well, well, here's the answer. Here's a blessed truth that we could do well to remember. The gospel is like a tiny seed. But once that tiny seed is sown, it has the potential to grow and produce great results. A tiny seed, young people producing a big tree with branches to shelter the birds. It's not the history of the free church. Humble beginnings. 17th of March, 1951, Crossgar. Over 60 churches now in Northern Ireland, England, the Republic of Ireland, Wales, Scotland, the USA, Canada, Australia, Africa, India, Nepal, Liberia. You see, we could do well to remember that God isn't finished with us. And we could do well to rediscover the power and potential that is in the gospel. I believe we've lost sight of that. And that's why many are so discouraged today. That's why many are so depressed. Listen to these words. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? For it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth. To the Jew first. And also to the Greek. See the gospel. It is the power of God. The word power there is dunamos. Which means dynamite. Explosive energy. Think of the little acorn seed in that man's grave. And, and years later, it cracked the very concrete that was six inches thick and began to grow into a tree. Oh, that we could discover and rediscover the power that resides in the gospel. You see, it's the gospel that comes to men in their sin. Convicts those men. Convinces them of their need of Christ, need of repentance. It's the gospel that converts and changes them. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he's a what? He's a new creature. All things have passed away and all things have become new. All things are of God. It's the gospel that has the power to change and transform lives. See, the mustard seed, it represents the word of God. It represents the gospel of Christ. There's the subject of the mustard seed. Now, secondly and very quickly, I want you to think of the substance of the mustard seed. Now think of the seed. It says the kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed. So we're thinking about one grain of mustard seed. Which a man took and sowed in his field. You see that one grain of mustard seed has life in itself. That seed is alive. That seed is living in essence. Listen to what the Lord Jesus said in John chapter 12 and verse 24. He was speaking about a, a, a grain of wheat. He said this in John 12 and 24. Verily I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. So when you think of a corn of wheat, just one grain of wheat falling into the ground... And the Bible says it dies. Now, how can it die? Well, to die, it must have had life. And that's a fact about every seed, regardless of whether it's wheat or barley, or whether it's a tomato seed or a potato seed or a grass seed or a mustard seed. It has life in itself. Isn't that marvelous? 
The seed has life in itself. Can you catch that picture this morning? Some of our ministers were leading a party of individuals to the land of Israel. They were outside the town Ephelat, uh, which is way down at the very bottom uh, of the uh, Jordan <coughs> Valley, beyond the Jordan River, below Masada. And the bus stopped, the guide got out, and they wondered what he was doing. He went over to the desert, uh, and he uh, came to this thorn bush, and he uh, cut off a piece of thorn, and he peeled away very carefully some of the bark. And he discovered the very seed of the thorn bush. And he got it on his finger, and he showed one of the ministers, and he said, that's the seed of the thorn bush. Now watch this. And he took his... Um, bottle of water, he opened the cap, he poured some water into the cap, put the seed in the cap, and then proceeded to pour some more water on top of the cap. And before their eyes, those that were gathered round witnessed this, testified when they came back, that that little seed of the thorn bush, a tiny root began to appear. A, a wee shoot began to explode out of the root. Why? Because that seed is alive. There's evidence of life in itself. The life wasn't in the bark. The life wasn't in the water. The life was in the seed itself. Literally, it's alive. It's like that preacher in, in, in Edinburgh, uh, outside St. Giles with the box, preaching, it's alive. What's alive? Listen to the word of God in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. And I've already quoted it to the children. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. For the word of God is quick. That means it's alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Over there in the book of Philippians, in Philippians chapter 2 and in the verse 16, we read these words, holding forth the word of life. Some people have a gospel campaign, they call it the word of life campaign. Why? Because there's life in the word of God. It's a living word. The seed has life in itself very quickly. The seed is divine in origin. You see, the Lord Jesus likened the seed in the parable of the sower to the word of God. Why? Because it's the word of God that's alive. It's the word of God that's a living word. It is divine in its origin. The seed is very important. It's not a dead seed. It's not a useless seed. It's not an impure, corruptible seed. It's a living seed that's divine in its origin. And you do not have to wrap up the seed in a gold leaf to present it. You don't have to paint it up in fancy colors. You don't have to dress it up in any way. You don't have to embellish the seed. You see, sometimes we bring our bright ideas to the gospel. Our, our, our clever imaginations. And men say this and that. But we put no confidence in the words of man. We don't embellish the gospel. The gospel is clear and plain. It was Robert McShane said, Lord, it's not my comments and your word that I'm asking you to bless. Lord, it's your word 
I'm asking you to bless. You see, it's not the elegance of the preacher, his ability, it's not learning, it's not education. It's God blessing his word because his word is alive. And every preacher, and I remember this every day, and I would say to the Sunday school teachers, the youth worker, the outreach worker, let's remember, even in our witness for Christ day by day in our home, workplace, university, that the word that we have It's the word of life. It's alive. It's divine in origin. And every seed contains the evidence of divine life. Now, I'm not the botanist, but when you analyze the seed, every seed, regardless of its nature, has life in itself. You can't make the seed alive. You can't put life into that seed. The life's already there. And oh, that we could remember the gospel. It's like a tiny seed. It has great potential. Why? Because it's divine in origin. It's life in itself. Do you know that the gospel is called in Romans chapter 1, verse 1? Let me read that text to you. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. The gospel of God. I remember reading that in the faith mission. I remember being blown away as I thought of that title. The gospel of God. What does that mean? It means the gospel didn't have its origin in the man. It didn't come out of some university, some school. It didn't come out of some church, certainly not the free Presbyterian church. It didn't come out of some book. The gospel has a divine architect behind it. God originated the gospel. The gospel centers in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Paul, when he preached the gospel, preached it not with enticing words of man's wisdom. He didn't use his skill as an orator. He wasn't playing an actor. He wasn't fulfilling the role of a comedian. He he just stuck to the book. And he said, thus and thus saith the Lord. The scripture says. He was dependent on what the Lord says. Let me tell you something else about the substance of the mustard seed. It has great potential in itself. The mustard seed, when it was planted in the soil, whether it was a field or a garden, grew into a big tree. And it produces branches and produced fruit, and the birds came and rested on it. That's what the Lord Jesus is telling us. Now, if you come down to the manse, there's an oak tree growing at uh, the right-hand side of the back garden, and that grew out of a tiny acorn probably from a broken conker that two boys were playing conkers a long time ago. I'm thinking of a gospel seed. Do you remember the late pastor, Willie Mullen? He was in a field. He was going to rob a house. And as he was going across that field with that thought of robbing the house, he was convicted. A word of God came into his mind. What was it? My spirit shall not always strive with man. Thou shalt not steal. And he was convicted. And he was convinced the fear of God came upon him. And he got down on his knees and was converted in that field. And what did it produce? It produced salvation. And it only produced a soul that was saved, but it produced a preacher. And through that one preacher, thousands were converted. In fact, Willie Mullen had the biggest Bible study in, I think it was in Lurgan, probably in Northern Ireland, if not in the UK or in Europe, Anywhere at that time, five or six hundred people were coming. (coughs) See, many people today are worried about our cities, 
our towns, our villages? What about the drunkard, the wife beater, the gambler, the drug addict? What about those that are addicted to pornography? Well, what's the answer? Well, I want to tell you, well, it's not a, a safe house for the crack addict or a safe house for the heroin addict. It's the gospel. The gospel can heal the drug addict. The gospel can sober the drunkard. The gospel can cure the gambler. Here's the mustard seed of truth. And the Holy Spirit takes it and plants it in the human heart and the human mind. And that soul is convicted, convinced, and then converted by the power of God. Because the seed is alive. The seed's divine. The, the seed has great potential in itself. Have you ever heard the story of John Wesley being robbed by a highwayman on horseback? And as he robbed John Wesley of all that he had, and he hadn't very much, he shouted after the man on horseback, The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. That was what he said. Thirty years later, he's in a Welsh town. He's preaching there that evening. And as he preaches and reminds the congregation, the last time I was along these roads, and then he talked about the highwayman who robbed them. And he says, I, I shouted out to that man, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. And in the meeting, that man was there. And he became convicted. And he said to Wesley, after he got converted, that text has haunted me for 30 years. Why? Because the word of God's alive. The word of God is powerful. The word of God is divine and it's great potential to bring about a change. And I want to say this morning this. The gospel's not complicated. The gospel is very simple. The gospel is plain. A mustard seed of truth, a text of scripture that even the children can understand. And that one text is all that the sinner needs. That one seed of truth. And God can bless it to any heart and any mind and bring about conversion. And that one seed of truth will show us the depravity of sin, the necessity of salvation, that we need regenerated by the Spirit. We can enjoy a full and free and forever justification, bring us into identification with Christ, that he died for us and we died in him. Bring us adoption into God's family, sanctify us holy in life, and one day bring us home to heaven to be with the Lord. We don't have to add to it. You don't need to take away, mix it with anything. You don't have to modify it. Why? Because it has great potential in itself. I know that we could rediscover that. You've got the subject of the mustard seed here. The substance of the mustard seed. One final little thought. You'll be glad to hear for those that are looking at the clock. The sowing of the mustard seed. Now, now listen to what the Bible says. Which a man took and sowed in his field. Which indeed is the least of all seeds. But when it is grown... It is the greatest among herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches there. You think of this as we finish, the procedure of sowing. You see, it's no good sitting on the shelf, Chloe. It's in a packet. <laughs> but it's not going to grow in the packet. What do we have to do? It'll not reproduce in itself. We've got to put it into the soil. So, so, if I had a, a packet of tomato seed and it read in the packet, this is what happened to one man, he, he, he read, uh, 
tomato seed produces great results. And he put it on his shelf. Kept it there for a few months. Took it back to the shop and said that there's something faulty. It says produces great results, but it hasn't produced anything. And this is what the shopman said to him. You're a book idiot. You need to open it. You need to plant it in the soil. And you need to water it and feed it. And then watch it grow. And you'll get lovely tomatoes. And this is the, the man. He must have been from Northern Ireland. Oh, oh. The seed in the packet needs to be planted in the soil. And it's when it's planted and the emphasis is on sowing and growing, then it will produce great results. The seed, the mustard seed, grew into a big tree, a tree that was beyond even our expectation. And isn't that true, as I've already outlined in biblical history, from humble beginnings with 120 disciples, 3,000, 5,000 converted, hundreds converted. The gospel spread from Jerusalem all the way throughout the whole known world. You think of the days of Reformation. Martin Luther, John Knox, John Calvin. You see, God was planting a tiny mustard seed of truth. And to this day, we're still feeling the effects of the Protestant Reformation. In other words, the gospel has to be preached. It must be broadcast. The gospel has to be spoken forth. The gospel has to be shared, whether it's by an invitation to a church service or a tract. Now, let me tell you this as we wrap this up. Think of this procedure of sowing. Have you ever heard of the missionary called Robert Muffet? He was father-in-law to David Livingston. You ever know the story of his conversion? An old Scottish minister, and he was getting very old, and the elders come to him and they said, Sir, it's time for you to go. We want you to retire. We want you to step down. You're old. You're frail. You're, you're really done. We need a younger man. And of course the old fellow was hurt. You could understand that. We, we, we know what that means. And he asked them why. And this is what they said. Well there's been nothing happening in the church. Nobody getting converted. Nobody being restored. No new families coming in. We've seen no growth. And this is what he asked. What about that wee boy that was converted this year? You know what they said? This is the elders. He's only a boy. But you know who that boy was? He was Robert Moffat. A great missionary for God. And maybe you're a Sunday school teacher. You're a youth worker. Maybe you're involved in the outreach program. And you're tired. And how many of God's people are tired physically? And they're weary in spirit. And there's so many challenges. And, and how do you keep going? Will you count what you're doing something small and insignificant? But remember that mustard seed of truth has to be sown in the field. And the field represents all you come in contact with. And if you have a grasp of what is needed, that God has given you a place to sow, and the field represents all the contacts that you have at home, Work, university, wherever, that seed has a great prospect of producing a mighty result. So be not weary in well doing. Be faithful, for you shall reap in due season if you don't faint. One final thing not only the 
procedure of the sowing and the place to sow. But what do you think of this? The shelter of the mustard seed. A bird came and lodged in its branches. What's the lesson? The gospel provides a shelter for souls. The tree was a shelter for the birds, but the gospel is a refuge for sinners. And I say this as we finish this morning. How many are lonely? There's two million people living in their loan in the United Kingdom. How many think life is hard and brutal? And it is. How many have their life messed up because of sin and forgetting about God and forgetting about their soul and their need to repent and receive Christ? How many are fed up with it? How many of you ever said, I'm fed up with this? Well, the gospel, Christ, is a place of refuge from this wicked, evil world. A place of refuge from God's divine wrath and judgment and anger due to sin. And the birds came because there was a mustard seed planted. It grew into a tree and it provided shelter for them. A place of safety, a place where they can feed, a place where they could come together. Well, that's what the gospel does. That's what the gospel is like. So as you think of the parable of the mustard seed, think of the subject, why it was preached, to provide encouragement in the midst of discouragement. You think of the substance of the mustard seed. It's alive, divine in origin, can produce great results. The sowing of the seed, a procedure, it must be sown. So you must speak the word of life and truth. You must share the gospel. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. A place, that's where God has given you. The field is the contact you have with people. And then think of this shelter. A place of the birds can find a refuge. Oh, that we could find a refuge in the gospel of Christ. A refuge in Christ himself.